Welcome to the Art of Masculinity Podcast. I am your host, Johnny L. Sasser. As a former Special Operations U.S. Army Ranger out of 2nd Ranger Battalion and a former Protective Security Specialist who protected the U.S. Ambassador to Iraq, I spent 10 years in and out of the Middle East. My mission today is to help men everywhere find the courage to be confident in themselves and their masculinity, regardless of what society says or what preconceived notions are out there in the media. I'm here to shed a light on those tough, strong alpha males opening up not only to those they love, but to the world about who they really are and how they own these open and vulnerable parts of themselves. Today, my goal is to help be a light for men who are struggling in owning their masculinity and struggling to present it in a way that is authentic to them. I'm grateful for having you here and sharing your time with me. Let's dive into the episode and I'll see you around the corner. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today's guest is a dear friend of mine, Adam Roa. He is an entrepreneur and seven-figure coach who has worked with high-performing clients such as actors, medical professionals, and CEOs. He has been featured by Goalcast as one of the top 33 game changers to watch alongside Michelle Obama, LeBron James, and Elon Musk, and has spoken word poem you are who you've been looking for has been viewed over 200 million times. That is right, guys, 200 million times. Adam is also the host of an amazing podcast called The Deep Dive with Adam Roa, a podcast that enlisted by Business Insider as one of the top 21 podcasts to expand your mind in 2021 and now 2022. Adam embodies everything he teaches. His art has transformed the lives of millions as a highly sought international speaker and artist who has spoken and performed at countless events around the world, including Oslo Freedom Forum, Mind Valley, A-Fest, and Envision Fest. So absolutely just a game changer in and of himself as a human being, but also this podcast was a lot of fun. I had the opportunity to do my first in-person at my own house with a good friend of mine, and we do not disappoint. We actually have a great time on the show. Uh, Adam brings so much wisdom and knowledge and guidance and nuggets that he just drops in this episode. I know you guys are going to absolutely love it. So without further ado, check out the episode and I will see you guys around the corner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to The Art of Masculinity. I have my dear friend on today, Adam Roa, and we are going to jam out for you guys and give you some great content. How's it going, brother? It's going well, man. Got a glass of wine. Our, my, my favorite wine, which I just found out is your favorite wine, uh, which I thought I was going to share something new with you, but of course you already know. <laughs> you know. You're in the know. That's why I'm on your show. Well, the awesome thing is, is this is the first time I'm actually hosting a live interview from my house. So thank you for being the first in-person one from my space for my podcast. Uh, and this is actually the first interview on these mics. Yeah. These are brand new microphones that we are breaking in. So yeah, this is a really special podcast. And on this computer. I just bought that computer. Did you like, really? Recently, yeah. I, I converted from a Google Pixel to a MacBook. Got it. So, How's that transition been? Uh, it's fucking kind of difficult. Just yeah. the up and down scrolling's throwing me off because it's opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can ch- you can actually change that on the MacBook. That's a setting. Oh, really? So if you want to scroll the same 
same way where when you scroll up, it's up or down is down. Like you can change that in the settings of your oh, MacBook. Oh fuck! Well, now yeah. I don't. I think I might just leave it at this point because now my brain's like starting to kind of get it, and if I throw it back, it's gonna be all fucked up. Well, it's, it's up to you, bro. <laughs> this is the, just life in a, in a like microcosm right there. I love it, man. Um, all right, well, we're gonna start you off with a manly round. This is what everybody gets to go through when they come on the show and actually give a little bit about who they are in a very unconventional way. You ready for that? Yeah, always. I'm pretty unconventional, as <laughs> yeah, you know. You guys will find out. Adam is a, is a very unconventional, <laughs> unconventional bro. Yeah. So I love it. All right, your first question, what is your spirit animal and why? I have two. The first is a wolf. And the wolf is a spirit animal because... Um, the wolf is the only animal that celebrated for both being fiercely independent and being part of a pack. Mm. Like the lone wolf is, is celebrated like, wow, the wolf that just really is able to go off on his own and do his own thing. And yet at the same time, wolves are known for their, their pack Mm. and, and being able to run with a pack. And, um, I find that to be really interesting i don't know another animal that's really got that and also where um i feel that way too i feel as if i am very good in a pack and i'm celebrated as a community builder and a very personal personable person and yet uh i'm fiercely independent and mm-hmm. i love my alone time in my own space and and i think people respect that as well so i feel very resonant with the wolf and then um the black panther is uh an animal that has shown up for me in a lot of medicine ceremonies actually mm. and at various times in my life and so that animal specifically is more i don't have a direct reason like the wolf although it, uh the black panther has shown up several times in in different ceremonies and and uh, experiences in my life well the black panther too it's like a very solitary animal that that one actually doesn't run in any form of a pack and mating it just briefly mates and then pieces the fuck out and then goes back to its own life so it's like not very it, it has that uh aspect of uh, solitude which you are very good at Mm -hmm. Um, and then yeah I do love the wolf for you as the pack animal as well so that's Mm -hmm. good man I love the both of those for you actually knowing you now a lot better uh, through so many different ways but just (laughs) a lot better than than obviously a lot of people may know you too so yeah and, and that's pretty I think we get attached to this idea of introverts and extroverts. Mm. We were talking about that all the time. Are you an introvert or are you an extrovert? We're all both. Yeah. We're all like, if you're someone who who never spends any time alone and doesn't want any time alone, you, you probably have a fear of being alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, that's probably what's going on. <laughs> Deep down, you just are uncomfortable when you're by yourself. Yeah. And, and vice versa with the other thing, like people who are just antisocial what's going on there yeah. you know why are you antisocial because i think on many levels and there are exceptions i'm speaking in, in a gross generality but probably encapsulating 95 percent of of humans there's uh innate biological desire to be in a a tribe in mm. relationship we have biological mechanisms for that including how our nervous systems co-regulate mm. you know and for i i don't know your audience and so when i speak about these things if you want me to elaborate on anything please tell oh, me oh yeah um, absolutely but, but um yeah we co-regulate with each other and and we do that from birth with our mothers uh, primarily and and also our fathers yeah no it's a the, this audience is definitely on the path of 
uh, mental wellness and biohacking. We talk about all that stuff. So when you go into this stuff, feel free to dive deep. Like these guys are on board with learning about it and they definitely want to take that. So that's awesome, brother. Yeah. And co-regulation it just just simply means my nervous system is coming is taking its cues from your nervous system mm-hmm. simultaneously. And if if um someone around me is in anxiety and and is just high strung or whatever, if I'm around those someone like that, my nervous system is going to pick up on that. Mm. And and I depending on who has a stronger frequency, who has a stronger embodiment of of their um frequency is I may be pulled into your anxiety and your high strungness, or you might actually be calmed and and grounded from my uh, nervous system. And that will Mm. depend on a lot of things, power dynamics, uh, our relationship, this, the context of the situation, all of those sorts of things play into that. Do you feel like, um, do you feel like People can, even strong individuals can be impacted by people who may have that anxiety level, who may not be quote unquote alphas. Do you still think they can impact kind of that vibrational being in somebody that may be actually more confident and strong and independent in who they are? 100%. I think that uh, it, think about it as it's not, it's not all people are not weighted equal. So meaning um, we have two of us. And so the idea is, well, if I'm high strung and you're calm, we're going to meet in the middle because there's two of us. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't work that way. Um, in s- certain circumstances, for example, like um, a mother-child dynamic, the mother's nervous system is going to have far more of far more weight. It's going to pull much stronger in that dynamic than the child's. Mm. Uh, and uh, similarly, when you have um, like a relationship between a man and a woman. And a lot of times the woman is looking to the man for safety, just mm-hmm. on a very pure physical level. And so a lot of times in a, in a scenario around safety, she, that she is now wanting you and your nervous system to be the thing that allows her to relax, mm. right? And that's very biological in, in a lot of ways. And I think that um, someone who's deeply insecure, their nervous system is going to be more vastly affected by the people around them, right? Because mm. they're not so secure in who they are. And yet when I... And when I walk around in the world, I'd like to think that I'm deeply embodied in my being and my overall being is pretty grounded and, and chill for the most part. Yeah. I, I, you know? <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so I tend to have a pretty calming effect on a lot of people around me and, and you know, in the hippie world, there's like a very ground, you're very grounded, you're yeah. very, right? And that aspect, what that means is just my nervous system, I feel so content in myself and have such a strong relationship to that, that when other people are around me, they tend to, to co-regulate to that, which causes them to generally come down from where they are mm. in terms of their high strongness. They'll come mm-hmm. down because my pull is greater than their pull to high strong because I, I don't give a fuck about their high yeah. strongness. I'm not going to get wrapped up into it yeah yeah 
What's your, what's like a technique or maybe something that you have been aware of in your own body that when you're around that type of energy, that's very different from yours. It may not just be anxiety. It could be a ton of energy or something like that. When you're around that, how do you allow that to kind of almost be that water off a duck's back for you? Honestly, it's funny because Taylor and I are doing a, 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 a masterclass <laughs> called uh, Zero Fucks Given. And that has been a journey to get there yeah. to really just give no fucks. Mm. And I was talking at lunch today with a friend about how weird it is that I care more than I ever have about this planet and about humans. I love people so deeply that if I really start talking about some of what goes on on this planet, I could be brought to tears in this yeah. very moment. I care so deeply and I give less fucks than I've ever given. Yeah. And I think, wow. I think that the reason for that is because I've gotten to a space where I'm so deeply aligned with, with the integrity of what I'm doing where I trust my path, I trust my decision making, I trust where I'm headed, and I trust that I'm I'm coming from love. Mm -hmm. Not that I won't make mistakes, not that yeah. I won't you know anger some people along the way, but because I, I just so de deeply trust myself that I'm coming from love, your opinion isn't gonna shake or waver that for me. Mm. You know, yes, I will take in your opinion because I respect you, love you, trust you. Uh, but that person on the internet that just called me whatever name because he didn't like my post. They're, they're fifth best. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I just, I'm not in your top five. Okay, got it. Well, I feel like that, that part of me, I had to let that go because I used to care. Yeah. I used to care about that. But what that was reflecting to me was this, this insecurity about maybe there's a part of what they're saying that's true. Mm. Maybe I'm not who I think I am. Mm. Maybe, maybe I am arrogant or I am actually, this is all self-grandizing and, and I'm, I just need to be the center of attention. And those parts of me had to be brought into wholeness where now I'm going, no, I'm actually coming from love. I'm a stand for love. I'm a warrior for love. And if that doesn't land with you, cool. I don't give a fuck. Cause I believe that so deeply that you're not going to let that, that go from me. Yeah. It's like, and I noticed that in you is, is it's for a lack of better term. And I know in the spiritual world, everybody wants to go like, Oh, the ego death, but you truly don't have much of an ego. You're an incredibly talented and intelligent person. But I think part of that strength in who you are as an individual is the fact that you do live in love and appreciation of the things around you and yourself that, you know, it, it really doesn't bother you <laughs> about this, this kind of shit, whatever it is, somebody saying something or something going on, uh, in your kind of vicinity or in your, you know, exterior peripherals. And then it's like, you don't let those things bother you and affect you energetically. So I think it's, it's really cool to be able to actually hear you say that and then know that I've actually seen that in you in person. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And the funny thing is, is there are the, it took years and years and years of being bothered by everything, mm. you know, and there are things that still bother me. There are still things that will trigger me. And those are just indications that the trigger lies inside of me. Mm. So many people go through the world and especially with this word trigger, that's now, you know, jargon that everyone's using. Yeah. And it's like, 
you triggered me. And they point the finger at the person who triggered them. Like it's that person's fault. Yeah. No, you don't understand. You get to trust the triggers to teach. Yeah. The trigger is an indication that something inside of you was there to be triggered in the first place. Mm. So what was that? What mm. is that thing? What is the reason why I'm being triggered? This person is the, the reflection of something going on inside of myself. Mm. And I, I feel like there's a big difference between the idea of being triggered and like not agreeing. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go out and let's just say you went out and, and punched a homeless person in the face for no reason. Fucked that, up, man. <laughs> this is the first example that came up in my head. Fuck. But if, if that's what happened, for example, I, you, you could say that I'm triggered, but you could also just say, I don't agree with that behavior. Yeah. I don't think that you should go and do that, yeah. Johnny. What the fuck? <laughs> and I feel like that um, is a big difference. But when you choose to you know wear or hang an american flag you mm-hmm. know what i mean we were talking about this yesterday yeah. you have you hang an american flag and that would trigger me for whatever reason like it seems to trigger some people we're mm-hmm. talking about now that have an american flag what what is that yeah. what is that thing because what you're doing by hanging that flag is not causing harm to anyone yeah it is your right to do that unlike going and punching a homeless person in the face. And so something about that is, is triggering me. And then similarly, when I think about these trolls on the internet that want to come at me on, on Instagram or, or wherever I go, this person literally lives a life where my post, which is almost always about love in some way, shape or form Mm -hmm. that post caused them to take the time to insult me Mm. or send me a mean message in my DMs. If like, what kind of life is that person leading? Mm -hmm. What's going on in their experience? And that just gives me compassion. And, and, and I don't take that as I need to fight anymore. And I used to, Mm. I definitely used to. But that's because, like I was saying before, I had my own doubts and that was actually causing that defense of that part of myself that that wasn't fully embodied. Yeah, I love that. And I think everybody can resonate with that if they want to truly look at themselves and say, like, what is it inside of me that's allowing me to be triggered? It's nothing to do with that person. Oh, this is already starting off amazing. And we still haven't even made it through the mailing round. So let's get oh, through these other three questions. I thought, I thought we did. I, I love, thought it was just that one question. I, I let's love, do it. I love diving into all this stuff with you. So Adam and I have had numerous like <laughs> long talks. So we can do this all night. And we actually had one last night till like midnight. We, we were t- we were up. We, we were, for you, I could tell that was late. That was super you got late. married life, bro. You got uh, married, married life. Married life. And then I was up at four flying back from Austin um, mm. yesterday too. So I was beat. But I love talking to you. So I was like, oh, it's time to hang out with Adam. Good. I was asking him how I can how I can beat people up (laughs) well that kind of that and then also how we can change some of the shit that's going on today right and like there's a lot of shit part of that love that you have for the planet and part of that love that you have for humanity leads to questions like that but Mm. so next question what song whenever you hear it no matter where you are do you absolutely just have to start busting out and singing along with Ooh. um A problem. That's a really good question. I would say "Stand by Me." Oh, that's a good one. I would say "Stand by Me." Yeah, yeah. That would probably be the one that, if that comes on, I'm gonna sing it. Or uh, 
with a little help from my friends by the Beatles. Yeah. Those are those are ones if that's playing, I'm gonna I'm gonna sing along. Those are great yeah. ones, man. Those ones, and neither one of those have been set on this show before. Two hundred and fifty um, episodes, neither one of those has been set on this show. What do people don't really say? What's the most common answer? Um, you get a lot of uh, you know Guns and Roses or Journey, right? Those are given. Uh, don't right? stop believing. Don't stop believing. Yeah. You get uh, Welcome to the Jungle. Um, mm -hmm. You get a lot of that stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's not like. I haven't had that, the Beatles. I haven't had um, Stand By Me either. And those are two songs that I think almost, well, I don't know about the younger generation if they're watching older stuff, but th those are really good songs that most people know. I find it crazy how um, many lyrics I remember from those that era of music that I used to listen to with my parents in the car. Yeah. And I know those lyrics more than modern music yep. and more than... Even the music I listened to on my own in like college, mm -hmm. there was something, I think, you know, the neuroplasticity of our brains when we're young and, and just the sponges we are as mm. we're growing up. Uh, think about it this way, because I like to break it down into kind of these practical, logical ways of thinking. Do it, bro. Get it. Which is, think of how many songs you've actually even heard when you're 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And then think, then when you really get into your own music, you're probably more in your teenage years and then college. And so you're listening to an increased amount of music, right? Mm -hmm. So by the time you're even 25, you've heard, what, a hundred times more songs than you knew at the age of, of 10, mm -hmm. right? And so those songs that I was listening to when I was six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 in the car, um, there wasn't, it wasn't competing for space. Right. You know, yeah. and so those lyrics just sunk in yeah. so deeply. Oh. I think that that's my theory. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I will buy that for a hundred. I will take that, Alex. I will take that for a hundred. Um, that's awesome. I love that. And I think so many people can resonate. I, I remember so much music from when I was a kid, mm -hmm. as opposed to just like you said, as opposed to some of the stuff I listened to later in life. But all right. Your next question is if you were a DJ, what would your DJ name be? Ooh. That's a, oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> this is like this feels important. This it's very important. Super is, important. You are kicked out of the house tonight if it is not a good one. DJ Poetic. Mm. I like it. That's yeah. a really good one. And I would spell it P O E T I K. Yeah, you'd have to. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, yeah. DJ okay. Poetic. Yeah, I like it. That fits. And for yeah. everybody listening, they've heard your bio already, so they know that fits. <laughs> yeah. I'm a spoken word artist, <laughs> just in case you just didn't in know, in addition to yeah. being weird <laughs> <laughs> and so many oh other things. God. All right. And your last one is, if you could pull a prank on any well-known person, mm -hmm. dead or alive, so mm -hmm. somebody that we all, we all know, um, who would the prank be on? And if you know the prank, what would the prank be? Only if you know. You don't have to answer the second part. Wow. I feel like I probably should have got these questions ahead of time. Nope. Hell uh, no. Let's see. I feel like I... Wow. What would the prank be on any famous person you, you only have to alive. do what the prank is if you have like that mindset of being a prankster. But predominantly, I want to know who you would like to prank any well-known person that's dead or alive. Because it's always telling like who kind of people's um, 
things that are important to them when they identify somebody as to who they'd like to pull a prank on. You can see where they spend time learning or listening or spend time, you know, private time, like being involved in. Yeah. I think that, um, Hmm. I feel like I would love to have pranked Jesus. I feel like I would have loved. <laughs> why, why are you laughing? <laughs> Don't say, I should not have taken a drink when you said that. <laughs> I, feel, so I did not expect I've, that one. I've, I, I feel oh like I God. would have loved to have, have pranked Jesus in some way, shape, or form. I'm trying to think what that, that prank would have been. Um, I don't know what the, the the prank would have been, honestly. I, I feel like... Um, Yeah, I don't know what the prank would have been, but I, I feel like if I could have pulled a prank off on Jesus, that would have been epic. There would have been something about that where I was like, I'm the dude that pranked Jesus. We're going to find out right now who's got triggers in them. <laughs> you were what, my Lord and Savior? Well, you said that that based on the answer, it says a lot about a person. What does that say about me, John? What, is, what, do, you, what do you receive? Because my second choice was Abraham Lincoln. So. Well, it all, you know, I, I had a great conversation with somebody that was very much into philosophy, and he did a lot of studying into it. And, and regardless of what we believe of Jesus Christ, right, we can all agree that there was a human that was named or similarly... Um, uh, associated with Jesus Christ, right? Like we can, we can all agree there was somebody at that point in time that was around and created some form of impact on humanity, right? So when I say that, I say that with the sense that he said, take a look instead of as Jesus Christ as like the Lord and Savior of a religion and look at Jesus Christ as a philosopher similar to like Gandhi or similar to like Marcus Aurelius or somebody else like that and look at the impact that he had with that. And so for me, it makes, I say all this because in the roundabout way, it makes so much sense to me that that is somebody you would pick because you and of yourself are a philosopher. You and of yourself are a a stoic and you do really in-depth thought into different things on not only society, but humanity. And then, you know, obviously the cosmos and everything like that. So mm -hmm. mentally for me, that makes a ton of sense linking you two together because of how I see Jesus Christ after having that conversation. Yeah. And, and I think that part of it too is like with Jesus, a lot of people don't realize he wasn't really Jesus until the last like two years of his life. Mm. He was a dude. Yeah. Right. He was a dude yeah. and he was just doing his thing. And then he was studying and he was, uh, depending on the text that you you go into the thought is that he actually went to Egypt. Mm. He, he was in Egypt and that's where you talk about, um, meeting, um, studying in Egypt in in the mystery schools mm -hmm. actually. And, uh, then he came back mm -hmm. and he started teaching mm. and it was only within a couple years that he was actually crucified, mm. uh, after that. And so what's crazy is that this dude who went and studied and then came back and taught was able to create a complete shift of humanity's trajectory within a couple of years That's of teaching. And I feel like part of me, there's this aspect of that dude was so incredible that if I could prank him, I like pranked the best. <laughs> 
you know? Yeah. Like, like if he walked on water and then after he was done walking on water, I found a way to like do it, you know, like prank him and do it and be like, that's not that hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like something. It'd be so good. Like you lay like a thin piece of glass yeah. that's posted up with like, like, and so he just sees you walk out there and you're like, bro, like I got so this. He just, he just did it. He just did it. And like, everyone's all in awe. You know what I mean? And I would just like go and like do a cartwheel on water or something like that. And then like, that's come back, and, and just, you know what I mean? And have him go, what? <laughs> Motherfucker. Wait, I thought I had to. I'm pretty sure God, Godfather, <laughs> what, what the heck? Yeah. See, the prank came. I love that. That's actually a really brilliant one. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. You made it through the manly round. That was a blast. I love it. it a, we're like, we just started and that's awesome. Just started. Um, so tell everybody a little bit, uh, they don't know cause it wasn't in your intro that you are also kind of a vagabond traveler, gypsy who has experienced a lot in this world, like so much stuff, which has also helped you to your enlightenment of who you are and what, how you see the world. But tell people how that journey even started and why you decided to even say, Hey, I, I don't really have a like sense of wanting to be planted somewhere. Yeah. So I was in a 10 year monogamous relationship. And that was from 23 to 33. And we were talking about having a baby and that instead of getting pregnant, we ended up breaking up pretty, mm. pretty suddenly. And I started traveling. I actually, believe it or not, the, the next morning. So I have a, a podcast called The Deep Dive with Adam Roa. And I'm launching another one with your wife called You're Too Much, which is, uh, yeah, You're Too Much with Adam and so Taylor. Good. It's going to be so good. So, good. so two podcasts. And uh, the, we went into a medicine ceremony, the two of us, my um, previous partner and I, and we asked the question, is this the end of the road for us? Because we had hit a point where for the first time in 10 years, it was, I, I don't think that we can move past this. And it was very mm. sudden. And so we went into the medicine because medicines have been a huge part of my journey. And I speak about that very openly because I, I think it's a disservice for how many people um, have platforms that talk about how you can better your life and heal your wounds and all that stuff and don't mention medicines they've used that have played a major role. I wouldn't be where I am today without the medicine. Mm. So I, that's why I speak so openly about that. And we both were that way. And so we went into a medicine journey together and we received the message that it was time to uh, leave this relationship. And that night, still in the medicine, we recorded a podcast on my podcast, ending our relationship, breaking up officially, and we ceremonially hit send wow. and, and published it. And I didn't know this. That's how we like chose to end it that wow. same night. And the next morning I was meditating and I was started crying and, and just, what am I doing? What, well, this is the worst, what's happening? And I got a message so clear, a voice in my head. And there's only been a few times, maybe three or four times in my life where it's been that clear, like a voice speaking to me said, film everything. And I ended up hiring a camera crew to follow me around the world for the next year of my life, wow. making a reality show called the art of choosing love, which documented my journey of healing from, from what was the, the most intense, painful experience of my life up until that point. And that, and like being 40 year old virgin 
dating again when I hadn't been single in 10 years. And I, I mean, Instagram didn't even exist when I had been single before and dating apps weren't a thing. I just didn't even know what I was doing yeah. and healing from sexual abuse. When that, mm. once I started dating again, I started to realize how much wounding was there and PTSD in my stored in my body for around this sexuality. It was like so much crazy stuff coming up and that was all put into this reality show. And so that journey of, I was getting invited, I had a poem go really viral, and it's called You Are Who You've Been Looking For, mm. and it's it's been viewed over 200 million times on Facebook. Fucking epic poem, by the way. And thank you. And so when that happened, all of a sudden I was being invited to speak on stages at the Human Rights Foundation, and Mind Valley, and all these places. And so I was getting these opportunities, and 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 I just started traveling. And I would go where people wanted me to speak or I would lead a retreat over here or whatever it was. And then I would stay a month in Bali and then mm. I would stay three weeks in Portugal or whatever. Mm. And it just hasn't stopped. Yeah. And that's been happening now for four years. I've been traveling nonstop, pretty much living out of a suitcase basically for four years. Yeah. I mean, you're here in South Carolina and it's actually pretty cold and you have Costa Rica clothes. <laughs> yeah. I have the same clothes from when I was in Costa Rica and I flew to North Carolina and I borrowed a jacket from my friend and I left that jacket in North Carolina. Oh, shit. And be, well, because it's his. I oh, didn't have gotcha. it. So I left yeah. it with him. And then I drove down here. And the only reason I'm even here is because there was a snowstorm that was coming by North Carolina and it was going to make travel impossible. And I knew I just needed to get out. I didn't want to be trapped there. And so I was like, wait, I'm right by you guys. Reached out to Taylor. She said, come right by. And so the next day, literally drove down here yeah. to avoid the snowstorm. And now here I am. Yeah. So it's that what I've found more than anything, Johnny, about this that I want to advise people around is that I believe so fully in the journey of spirit's guidance and, and the magic that of life when you are in alignment. And what I believe is that magic only enters in the spaces it has room. Mm. And so when, if I'm pre-planning my next three months, four months, five months, six months, there's no room for the magic of the universe to come in and say snowstorm that's going to lead Adam to Taylor and Johnny's house. And then Taylor and Adam are going to have an opportunity to drop in and launch an entirely new business together because think of the, what had to go just right. The snowstorm pushed me here. You just happened to be out of town, mm -hmm. which gave us the space to just like take a day and hang out yeah. and really drop in. Um, all of those things that had to go just right with the timing because had I planned it, I would have planned it for when you were here. Right. Yeah. Right? Like, so when I can really surrender into the unknown and not have to plan it, there's more room for magic, but what that requires is trust. Mm. And so few people leave room for magic because they're so scared to trust. Mm. So what is this? I want to, I actually love where this just went because how do we show this to men? Because men have a, a hard time trusting one. And then we have a hard time allowing ourselves to be involved in experiences that potentially could challenge us, which you put yourself in all the time. Mm -hmm. Like you, you make decisions on the fly to be in different places, to do different things, to be involved with different people. Like the first time we met, you had no clue 
who Taylor and I were. And you came over the house that we were all staying at and you and I got to drop in on some stuff, but you put yourself constantly in positions that most people would see as uncomfortable, especially men. How can we, or what, what can you share with men as far as how can they break down that anxiety or that, that, um, I want to kind of say ego, maybe that ego that protects them from saying, no, 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 don't do that. It's uncomfortable. What, what can we give to them? I think the, it, it, the number one thing that my goal is for everything that I, I give to my audience or anyone listening here, your audience, our audience in this moment is awareness because awareness gives us choice without awareness. We can't choose anything different. If we're not aware of why we're doing something, it's unconscious behavior. We, we can't choose anything different. It's a habit. We're just doing it. Mm. But the moment we become aware that we're even doing it, we now have the ability to choose something different. Mm. And so my, the first step, I think, for, for men is to ask the question, what is it that's preventing me from doing that? Why am I scared to do that. Why am I avoiding that uncomfortability? I mean, that that's a starting point. So when I, when I think about, yeah, I went over to a house where I didn't know anybody, you know, and just was like, okay, I'm going over. I only knew Danette. Yeah. And, um, then I intentionally set aside time where I said, I, I think I said to you, I'd love some time to drop in yeah. while, while I'm here. Let's just like have, let me hear about what you're doing and that sort of thing. Part of this is, is recognizing that my fear of doing that would come from a place of what being judged mm. or a fear of my or having my own insecurities to the point where I'm worried that you're like going to be way too cool or way too alpha or way too whatever and I'm just I'm I'm not wanting to be around someone that that makes me feel less than or whatever right yeah and but when we overcome that, the overcoming of our fear is a simultaneous expansion of our consciousness mm. in that very moment. The moment that you overcome your fear or you choose to face that fear, you've expanded. You've created a new reference point within yourself, within your own being of a different way of operating in the world, not giving into that fear and assuming that that decision leads to a response that's not you know traumatic mm -hmm. you've now also given yourself a reference point for oh that I, that fear is not even valid really mm. like that fear is not always going to lead to pain mm -hmm. and the moment you know that that fear isn't always true you've created the crack in the foundation of the fear mm -hmm. and over time, you can now start just choosing out of that over and over and over again. And I think that one of the big things to recognize is the antidote to fear is trust. Mm. When we say, I'm going to actually get through this fear, I'm gonna opt out of it, I'm gonna choose to move through it, whatever that looks like, whatever that wording is for you, mm -hmm. what you're actually doing in that moment is you're choosing to trust. 
Mm. You're choosing to trust in something, whether that's yourself, you're choosing to trust in life, you're choosing to trust in someone else, you're choosing to trust in God. Whatever that is, you are saying in that moment that I trust, I trust something. And trust to me is an act of love and love is expansive. And so in that act of trust, it's an act of love and therefore it's an act of expansion. Mm. And that, and so that allows you, I, and I would love to have you talk to this too. You feel like when somebody makes that conscious decision to put themselves in that act of love and expansion that allows them to receive more from the experience. Yes. So by the nature of expansion, uh, if my consciousness, so our consciousness, think of it as like a circle, right? Mm -hmm. Your your circle of consciousness that the edges if you drew a circle on a piece of paper the edges are actually your fears doubts limiting beliefs and insecurities mm. the edges of your consciousness are that okay they're they're all the things that are quote unquote limitations by the way limitations aren't bad the limitations are actually necessary and so we have these because without any of those without any limitations whatsoever you're back into oneness you're not actually have you're not having the human experience. Even the idea of there's a me and there's a you is some aspect of a limitation. Mm. There's an idea that of separation, gotcha, right? And yeah. so that's a belief, the belief of separation, which creates a me and a you, which without it, I'm in oneness of entirety. I'm in my God self, and it's really not the human experience. Mm. And so, the the edges of our circle are fears, doubts, limiting beliefs, and insecurities. Well you can only fit so much inside of that circle. But the moment that I say, okay, I am capable of actually launching a new business. Well, the moment I acknowledge that and I take some action on that and I move past that fear, I've just expanded because I've moved beyond that fear and that limitation. And therefore I've created more room within myself inside that circle. Mm -hmm. And that circle of, of that expansion may not be that I launched that business. That may not be, the, that's like the obvious one. I may not actually even do that, but the fact that I've actually acknowledged and chosen to trust in myself enough to say that I could and take action towards that, even if I don't launch that business, I've expanded and therefore something more will come to me. Mm. There is something I've opened up and that might come in the form of a romantic partnership. Yeah. I might now be a match for a romantic partner to come in because that that worthiness story that I just moved through that I'm capable didn't lead to a business but led to me having just a little bit more confidence to be to own my desires a little bit more confidence to say I can do that thing and maybe that thing winds up looking like I go to a bar and there's a really hot chick over there and I actually walk up to her and approach her because I have that belief now that I can do something if I really want to even if it didn't look like a business and now all of a sudden I meet my wife there's so many ways that it can play out but when we understand that moving through that fear and that discomfort will expand us and every time we expand we create more space within ourselves something's going to show up to fill that space that's a law of, of nature create the space and it's like a vacuum something will come to fill it mm. and is that part of like you you've also stepped foot into doing men's work and part of that is is the uh, Oracle deck you're creating, which I'm super excited about when that comes out. Um, but then also part of that is that you actually work with men in different modalities. And as you're doing that, are you actually like, is this part of your focus is to teach them to break through 
that, you know, lack of trust in themselves, to be honest, and, and, and allow them to, to kind of confront some of these shadows that we have so they can open up that space. I think that's the same for men and women. They, they're just different. Like mm-hmm. what, what most men face and how most men need to face them is different than, yeah. than for women. And I think that my, for part sure. of the reason why I've stepped into doing more men's work um, is because I don't think that I embody the normal male archetype <laughs> of, of like what is seen as just the stereotypical alpha male to that to aspire to you're much more that than i am in terms of big beard beautiful (laughs) hair big muscles you know what i mean like that like could kick my ass like that like that very masculine primal aspect of the alpha male and yeah, and by the way, you have so much more, which is why we're, we're friends, because you're not just that. You also have fucking so much intellect. He keeps you around just because he creates businesses with Taylor. <laughs> all of these things and a kind heart and all of those things. And for Thank me, you, for me, like, I have a lot of these things, right? I've got the six pack and, and the, the money and the impact and the platform. I do have those things. I yeah. like to think I have swag and, and I bring an aspect of this and... I write poetry yeah. and my reality show, spoiler alert, it's basically me crying all over the world. <laughs> so, so like I've cried on camera all over the world and blasted it out into, into the internet. Um, I have, I speak openly about, you know, my work in sexuality, like sacred sexuality, right? Yeah. And we were at an ISTA retreat together for doing sacred sexuality work and, and, and like in that, getting a finger up my butt for sacred spot, right? Yeah. And just like that also isn't seen as being very manly. Like sure. all the things I just listed, writing poetry, crying in, in public, having a finger up your butt. Like these things. You are, sound like a fucking uh, early 2000s emo song right now. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. 100%. And so um, this, yeah, I got a finger up my butt and I cried about it and I had to write this poem. Yeah. You know, like that and... Yet, what do we all really want? Money, sex, and power. At the end of the day, baseline, primal, money, sex, and power. Why? Because all three of those are representations of life force energy. And at the very core of it, I'm a a wizard. And all of this is energy. And that's how I see the world. And how I how I see the world when it's an energy is money, sex, and power, just life force energy. And that's what we want. We want more energy. That's what that's it at Mm -hmm. the end of the day. And so I have all three of those. I have them and I wield them with integrity, love, and a high level of consciousness. Mm. And I don't think wanting money, sex, and power is a bad thing. In fact, I think if you say you don't want any of those three things, you're probably lying. Yeah. And that lie is probably coming from a part of you that's not in right relationship with one of them. And therefore, you have shadows and unconscious belief patterns that are running in the background, which makes me not even trust you. Yeah. <laughs> Quite honestly, there's <laughs> shit you get to work out so that you can come into right relationship with your money, sex, and power and your desires around those. And I feel like with money, sex, and power, I want to show people that you can have those things and I also want to show people that you can be a man, an alpha male, and your power can come from your vulnerability. 
Mm-hmm. Your power can come 100%. from your creativity and your artistry and your willingness to show your heart. Yeah, I, you, your your alpha male leadership can come from how deeply you fucking care. Yeah, not because you're able to compartmentalize and do things with no emotion. Like there are so many aspects of this where, yes. Are there there alpha males that we want to aspire to that look different than me? 100%. But there are also men on this planet that need a, a poet to look to and say, wow, I can be someone who wants to dance and sing and make music and write poetry and be willing to cry and feel so deep. And I can have money, sex, and power. Mm-hmm. I can attract women. I can love that that lifestyle as well and still do it in this way. I want to give men a reference point for that and to approach those men, uh, they require a different approach. Yeah. And so that's why I've stepped more into working with men is, is to let them know there is another way. There is another way to get what you want. You don't have to pretend to be something you're not. Oh man. And I'm chomping at the bit at a question for this because I I love, I love this aspect and I love the dynamic that you're creating from this. And one of the things, if I'm sitting back and listening to it, I'm thinking, okay, Adam, how can I look at money, sex, and power in a healthy way? And how can I, maybe the dude that's sat behind a computer his whole life, find himself and look at himself in the mirror as saying, because I have a different perspective now, I can, I can actually step into the alpha. Not how can I be, but how can I at least make the neural connection to say, I, can, I have the potential to step into the alpha? Yeah, I think that the, the starting point is in identifying what you want out of being an alpha, like the idea mm. of the alpha. Yeah. You know what I really mean? Good. Like, what do you mean by saying I can step into the alpha? It's what is so that arbitrary. Mean? Right. Yeah. Because in certain scenarios, the leader can look different. Yeah. Absolutely. So you know what I mean? There are a lot of scenarios that I have been in where I'm the leader and I'm not the strongest, I'm not, I'm not the tallest. I'm not the fastest. I'm not the one with the most money. I'm not the one that's the best looking, you know what I mean? And can get the most women like, and in, I've been in scenarios with people like that. And I have been the leader and seen as the quote unquote alpha. Yeah. Right. And then there's other scenarios where I walk into a space and I'm like, oh, cool. I, I got probably more money and I got the, the blue check mark on Instagram or whatever yeah. it is. And I walk into a space with certain type of dudes that basically could kick my ass. And that environment of those guys that, that I'm around, uh, if I'm not careful about what I say, they will. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that, like friends too, friends. Yeah. But that, that type of friends that are like, yeah, we're friends who also will punch each other in the face if we, if it, while we're, do you know what I mean? You have some of those friends, yeah, you know, you sure. know that. And so like in that environment, I'm not really the alpha no. it, it, based on the rules and the context of what that is. And so I think the starting point is in recognizing the idea of being an alpha male is also based on context. Mm. It, it's 100% based That's on powerful. context. And, um, that that is a starting point for people and 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 asking okay don't just say i want to be an alpha male we have we live in a society where we're basically told if you're not the alpha that you're somehow less than mm-hmm. 
And yet when people say, I, I'm an alpha male, okay, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean to you? And when, so, when, then when people are saying, I want to be an alpha male, okay, but what does that mean? And if you don't know what it actually means to you, that means you're chasing something you don't understand. You'll never know that you got it. And all you're trying to do is fill in insecurity that you'll never actually fill. Mm. And so to first recognize what you actually want, who do you want to be? What's the type of man you actually want to be? Because there's nothing wrong. My, my, one of my best friends over here, Yusuf, is staying here in the house with us. He's yeah. traveling with me. He's my head of operations. And he works for me, right? And he works with me, but I pay his, his salary. And yeah. he's not any less than because he supports me. That doesn't make him a less than. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In yeah. many ways, it makes him a more than because he has the ability to swallow the ego in order to be a supporter yeah. of, a, of my vision. And that takes a lot of courage in itself. That takes a lot of strength to say, I can be a supporter and feel my alpha and my masculinity as a supporter of another man's vision. Mm. There's, there's so many ways to look at this. And so my starting point is, well, who do you want to be? Who do you actually want to be? What does that actually mean to you? And then from there, now you can reverse engineer it. Mm. Wow, you want, to be, you want to be the kind of dude that like to you, you want to be the dude that walks through the world and feels like you're the biggest, baddest motherfucker in the room physically and like you can kick everyone's ass. Awesome. Well, now you know that you need to probably go take some fighting lessons, hit the gym, <laughs> maybe hit some steroids, <laughs> like do the thing to become that. And yep. if, if you're like me and... My, how I've, I want to be in the world, my, my alpha to me means being someone that people look to for leadership and guidance, Yeah. right? I believe that you and I are both alpha males and my alpha is different. I feel like you, I'm someone that you could come to and actually ask for advice or uh, how I see the world and you respect that about me. And that is the part of me that feels alpha in that way and I know that you're alpha in a way and I come to you and I ask you a ton of questions just like last night yeah. and we can meet on that playing field and I feel like uh, in that conversation bro it's m more a matter of if my leadership if being an alpha to me is about being uh, someone that people want to come to then being an alpha to me is also about my wisdom but also about my compassion because if I'm not able to be compassionate people don't come to me I'm yeah. not a safe space anymore. And so actually my heart and being able to be in my heart and being able to own my own self-control for my triggers and my emotional experience, that's how I develop my leadership and my quote unquote alphaness. Mm, that's a, an amazing perception on it. And I love the fact that you're allowing men to really dig into themselves and define what that means to them. Cause I honestly a hundred percent believe that that is the truth. Alphas don't look the same and alphas never have looked the same. And you can take somebody who believes they're an alpha in one capacity and say, for instance, and I've used this analogy before, but you can pick them up someone who might be big and like, you know, can fight and then he's strong in the gym and you pick him up and you go put him in a political function and he can't say two words about public policy or administration or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And guess what he's going to feel like? He's going to feel very less than and no longer the alpha in that scenario, which you alluded to in, in how you portrayed this. And so I think there's so much power in, under, in men understanding that that alpha, they need to define that. So how, when money, power, and sex, we, they're very villainized, 
how do men look at those in a healthy way and then say, admit to themselves that's what they want and say, that's what I'm going to look to get, but in a way that actually is serving society and not hurting other people. That is a journey. That's a, that's a, that's a very loaded and big question. I actually just, um, am releasing a podcast tomorrow with Allie Katz, um, called money, sex, and power. Is it wrong to want it all? Mm. Uh, and so that's on the deep dive. So that Take I, a listen I do, to that. yeah, because I do. It, that's an hour long, and we really, literally, just dive into that to question that you thing. just asked me. So I know I could speak about it for an hour because I just did. Give us and, a give us a snippet of what you believe, and then we'll we'll push everybody to well, that episode. Well, what I what I believe about it is that you ultimately have to get into right relationship with your money, sex, and power story. So Mm. you have to ultimately understand what's driving you, what's motivating you, and what you're afraid of. Mm. You know, like with money, for example, um, are you want, why do you want money? Mm. Why do you want money? What, What is the reason why? Most people, when you, if you ask people, what, what do you want? A lot of people will say money. Yeah. And when I ask, when you ask people to throw out a number, how much money would you want? A lot of people just say a million. Yeah. They, that's generic. just like a number, like a yeah. million dollars, right? It's a very generic thing. Mm-hmm. But then if you ask them, why do you want a million dollars? Cause you know my story. I, I was paid a million dollars for a one-on-one coaching contract yeah. and it was transferred to me all in one lump sum. And I was already doing six figures as a coach at that time, but to go from, you know, making $150,000 a year coaching to now I have a million dollars in my bank account right now was a very big difference. Which is insane. Insane. And, and so to do that and have that experience, I know that I didn't know what the hell to do with a million dollars. And yet all of these people want a million dollars. Why? Yeah. What are you actually going to do with it? The truth is, if you gave me $10 million right now, I would do something with it. I know what I would do with it now. But back then, you gave me a million dollars. I didn't need it. Mm -hmm. I didn't actually need a million dollars. There was nothing that that I was creating. There's been, and between then, that was maybe five years ago. Mm -hmm. And so between then and now, it was only in the last year that I actually got to a point where it's like, ooh, I would like $10 million because mm. I'm, I'm aware of what I would do with it. Yeah. As opposed to the last five years, if you gave me another million dollars, I would you know, give it to a business manager and manage it and maybe invest it in things. Sure, great. And I didn't really need it. I don't need it. It wouldn't change my lifestyle. Yeah. And so um, people just say a number. And the reason why they say a number like millions is because they have, they generally people have experience with thousands. Yeah. So when you say a hundred thousand, you have an experience of maybe 1000 and the word thousand doesn't change anything. But million, most people have this hypothetical idea that million, because they've never experienced that, that word, that it's going to change things. Unlike thousand, which they know doesn't. Yeah. But it doesn't change things. Like it does to some degree, I'd be lying if it didn't say it brings a lot of convenience and a lot of sure. those sorts of things, but it won't make you happy. It yeah. won't shift that. I went into the darkest depression of my life after getting that money. And so this, this idea of, of 
why do you want the money? And then let's talk about sex because you asked money, sex, and power. What? Yeah. How do we shift a relationship? Well, tell me what you want out of sex, first of all. Do you want to just have as much of it as, as you can? Do you want to have really deep, intimate sex? Mm. Do you want to have more adventurous, kinky sex? Like, what do you, when you say you want sex and more sex, what do you mean? Yeah, have you even thought about it? Right. Like, what most people just assume they want more sex. I know for me, that's not the case. Yeah. I actually don't, in, like, hooking up with someone that I don't feel really deeply connected to feels like just kind of like I just had sex with a, like a doll. Yeah. Of, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, it's just like someone was there yeah. while I had sex. It was like mutual masturbation as right. opposed to actual like connection, connection, energetic exchange, all of that. 100%. And so I don't, I would rather stay at when I did, I only did it once actually, believe it or not that the last year when I was first single for like the first time really. Yeah. And I had sex with a woman who was like, wow, she's cute. And we're, she's into me and I'm single now. So yeah, this is what you do. Have some sex. And then then afterwards I went, huh, this doesn't, that didn't, that wasn't even, and I wasn't really even that into it. You know, I, yeah. I, while I was in there, I felt I was like checking out mentally and it was yeah. just this thing. And I went, wow, I would have rather she like been home playing guitar and, and working on my business and just doing those things. I would have rather done that than was have that a wild revelation. It was huge. <laughs> Bro, it, it changed everything for me because in being in a 10 year relationship and, and a one year after that, I was in basically almost like 13 years of straight monogamy, bro. Wow. And I always had this idea in the back of my head that I didn't get that single life out. Mm. that I was going to get married, have kids, and then it was going to be too late. And there was always going to be a part of me that wished he got just like a year to be single. Yeah. And then when I had that experience, that one experience, I realized, oh, I got this out of my system. Mm. And now I've had sex with with a number of other women since yeah. then, but they've all been connected. Right. And I have had way less sex than I thought I would. Right. But all of my sexual experiences have been awesome. It's been more fulfilling. Right. Yeah. And all the rest of the time, I work on my business yeah. and I create the empire that I want to build and I make the impact that I want to make. And that fulfills me in a completely different way. Mm. And if I was just like so many other dudes on this planet chasing girls, trying to have as much sex as possible, but like, why, what is it that you're actually trying to get out of these sexual experiences? Mm. And then same thing with power. Yeah. And so going to that third piece, like with power, what does power even mean to you? Yeah. When we say power, what does that mean? What do you actually want when you say you want power? Do you want more social media followers? Why? Yeah. You, do you want to be stronger physically? Okay, why? Do you want to, like, what? What do you want to do with your power? What, what is that? And most people are in, in a state of just wanting for the sake of wanting. Yeah. But if you're just wanting for the sake of wanting, you're a black hole. Mm. You just that's that's never going to end. Yeah. So if you can understand why you want it, like I can tell you, great with ten million dollars, this is what would happen. I would buy this land, buy this, start this business. I just have these ideas of what I would do with it, all because it's in alignment with my purpose and my passion and my dharma and creating impact. I can get behind that, and now I have absolutely no shame in saying I want ten million dollars. Yeah. I want it. I absolutely want it, but that would be the starting point. That long answer to your question yeah. is first of all, understand what you actually want and why you want it. 
Mm. And those are important questions. It's not something that people talk about very freely or openly, but I think they are deep desires of especially men, but I think women too, but especially men, these, these, these three really hit guys. And in those, we don't sit down and ask the questions like this to ourselves. Like what is behind all of that? Instead of just saying that's what we want or seeing a movie and a guy is portrayed that way. And we're like, I want to be like Ryan Reynolds in that fucking movie. And it's like, but why, right? Like what is your purpose behind that? Why do you think that is that we're not, why are men not asking that question more? Oh man, I, I think there's so much to that in and of itself, but men, are, I, I don't think are asking that question because they don't actually feel comfortable asking themselves real questions. So one of the things that men struggle with, in my opinion, is, is we're not inquisitive enough because at some point in our lives, we're told that we're supposed to know everything and then we're supposed to act and be as a certain way. And in that comes this money, power, and sex. And we see it portrayed in movies but then we don't ever come back to the real questions on, on why, because we're not taught that we can actually admit that we don't have an answer to that or that we have, maybe we don't want those things, or maybe that there's a different perspective around those things on what they look like. And so I think men just, we're not inquisitive or curious because we're taught to shut that off at a certain age, my personal mm. opinion. Um, and so yeah, man, that's, that's what I firmly believe guys really struggle with. What about you? Yeah, I could see, I could see that idea of, of we're supposed to have the answers. I, I definitely feel like I grew up that way. Mm -hmm. And, and the interesting thing is like the more you think, you know, the less you have to learn. Yep. And so this idea of, I have the answers ultimately is actually something that shuts us down to learning. Yeah. And I was awful with this. I was so bad where my, so I was really small growing up, really small. And I mean, when I entered high school, so think, think 13, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, my freshman year of high school, I weighed 73 pounds. Whoa. My freshman year of high school. I know because I was on the wrestling team. <laughs> you were um, wrestling at 73 pounds? And those, well, the smallest weight class is 103. So I was outweighed by 30 pounds. And wow. at 30 pounds, when you weigh 73, is a, I mean, that's a massive amount. So I got my oh, yeah. ass kicked a lot. And But here's the crazy thing. I, to be fair, I, I like to be accurate. I weighed 73 at the start of my freshman year. I played freshman football. Mm-hmm. I joined the freshman football team. The pads didn't even fit me. You should see the photos from my high school. Oh my God. At 73 pounds, it's gotta be epic because I just have that mindset. Like you can't tell me I can't. Mm. And that mindset, I'm going to prove you all wrong. And I weighed 73 pounds as a result of wearing those pads and running around. I gained five. So by the time wrestling started, I was 78. Oh, sweet. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, um, the, because I was so small and then I hit puberty really late, I didn't grow until in between my, like, this between sophomore and junior year. I was, like, 17 when I really hit puberty. Yeah. Um, as a result of that, I felt like I needed to get by on my, my mind. Mm. It was, I'm never going to be that dude that girls look to as the sexy guy and, and it has like a physical prowess to me. Um, and my dad's Asian. And when I was smaller, I'd looked a lot more Asian and there were no like 
Asian males in movies that were the leading men. Like they were the Asian males on TV are the nerds, the tech guys, or the kung fu guys. They're, you don't yeah. you don't get like a Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt role given to an, an Asian. Yeah. Uh, the, when by the way, when Keanu Reeves burst onto the scene, like that changed everything for me. It was huge for wow. for me. Interesting. Really. And so my point is that like because of that, I thought my physical that in combination with a repressed at the time a repressed memory of sexual abuse so my body my physical was not my safe space mm. so i didn't rely on it in my relationships with women i didn't rely on it for my own safety my mind was my safe space because i've always been a hyper intelligent kid and so i when i went into high school i just felt like okay i'm not that guy so i'm going to just be smarter and more successful than everyone. Mm. And I'm going to, I'm going to win this game of high school. Like I'm going to win it because mm. uh, this is all game. Right. And by the time I graduated high school, I was president of a club. I was on student body, elected to student body. I got an academic scholarship to college. I was varsity in multiple sports and I won homecoming King. Wow. My, my, by my senior year. Wow. And I won high school. Yeah. Like literally. That's, and I remember, yeah. I remember winning Homecoming King and that's like the popularity contest, right? Of, of it. You're in the newspaper and you ride around on a float and all of this, yeah. this shit. And um, I'm thinking to myself, wow. I mean, this is that moment where not only all the girls are going to want me, but all of their hot moms are going to want me too. This is what I've seen in Varsity Blues. Like all the milfs of my friends are going to want to fuck me when I come over for like, you're like, would you like some lemonade? It's, it's hot outside. And then like bends over in the kitchen to get like that. mini skirt. Totally, right? Like that's supposed to happen. I'm the homecoming king. Oh, that's fucking funny. And I woke up the next morning and I, I um, was insecure still. I had anger. I had all my fear and doubts and I didn't feel more attractive. I, I like nothing had changed. Mm. It, it gotten worse because now I didn't have something in my mind that I thought would change it. Mm. There was no more. I was standing on the mountaintop, yeah. nowhere else to go going. This sucks. And that was my first like awakening moment to there's something that I'm not seeing. Mm. that moment shifted me into maybe there's something else that like the path that I'm on isn't actually true. They're telling me now I need to go to college and get my degree and then get a career and get a house with a white picket fence and a labradoodle and 2.5 kids. <laughs> well, fuck. Like if I do that, what if I wake up at 45 and I feel this, mm. that I got to the next mountaintop and I don't know what to do. Yeah. And um, that started my searching journey and that started the journey of me, you know, starting to follow my heart and what actually felt true. And so I don't know what led to this question. So I can't, bring oh, this is beautiful. Circle. I, I fucking know. love this. I don't know There's where we started with like so that. many gold nuggets and everything you just said right now. <laughs> yeah. I honestly can tell you that I know we're recording this right now, but whoever's listening to it is, I guarantee you so many men just got a lot out of that story because mm -hmm. I'm listening to it. Like actually, the nuggets from from that, especially understanding what you achieved in high school from where you started to then hitting a mountaintop and saying, fuck, I still feel the same or even worse, mm -hmm. which is an incredible aspect because I think most of us, we all look at that mountaintop and we're taught that that's where we need to be. That's where everything comes from. 
right? That's that's what it was. We were ta- we were talking about um, you know why men don't ask those questions of themselves, yeah. and so for me, it was I was giving you context for I needed to prove so much. I needed to prove how smart I was because that was the thing that I was getting by on. I needed to prove how successful I would be. I need to be the president of this and the, you know, like all of those sorts of things. And as a result of that, if, if I was, I couldn't handle being wrong, bro. If I was wrong, I would do everything I could to find a way to justify why I had said what I said so that I wasn't wrong. It was just like a perspective thing. Do you know what I mean? There was never a, yeah, I fucked up. I was wrong. I got that wrong. You're literally explaining probably like 90 some odd percent of men right now. And and I know even personally myself, Mm -hmm. there's a long time in my life that I've done that. And I've only just started recently changing that narrative, but I still struggle with that. And, And like all of that, because I couldn't handle being wrong but the reason why I couldn't handle being wrong is because it was the only thing Mm. that I was holding on to as being like the thing that made me worth anything the thing that women would want the thing that would give me some sort of my alpha in relation to other men who were bigger and sexier and all of this stuff than me and I so being wrong meant I was worthless Mm. and so that that journey has been my entire life. There's still that part of me that comes up when I'm wrong that I go, and I can find the part of me that's searching for a way to, to do it. The, the example that's popping in my head right now is last week there was a meeting that was scheduled and then I had a team member that was in the, uh, we're in East Coast time, so I had a team member in the Pacific and she was gonna wake up at 6 a.m. for a 9 a.m. meeting and then that meeting got moved and it got changed mm. and I forgot to contact her. Oh, and so shit. she wakes up at 6 a.m. for a meeting that's no longer happening uh. and I am in a different meeting at the time because it got moved and changed and I just forgot to tell her. Mm. And I called her up and I could feel the part of me that wanted to like say, oh, little, little oh, Adam. Yeah, 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 totally. And I just said, listen, this is what happened and there is no excuse. All I can do is say, I'm sorry. I mm. fucked up and I, I really apologize. And she said, yeah, I'm pretty frustrated about this. You know, I woke up early and all these things. And I said, yes, 100%. And there literally is nothing I can do other than apologize. I am deeply, deeply sorry. Um, yeah, that's, that's it. That's literally all I can do. And that is a sign. Those are the things where I can see the shifts in me. Yeah. Those are the moments. Those moments right there, because we can talk about the ayahuasca ceremonies and the big this and that. And at the end of the day, those little moments are the ones that show you your change and embody those lessons deep within you to build the integrity of who you want to be. Yeah, those well, those moments are the practical application. Because the milestones of, of a development piece, whatever it is, medicine or uh, an event that helps change you or something like that and helps you confront maybe some shadows, those are all milestones. But what's in between the milestones is the practical application. And if you don't apply any of that, which is like this scenario for you, if you don't apply that, then did you really learn anything? Did it really have an impact on you? Or is it just something that you tell people while you're having wine and hanging out? <laughs> yeah, know? 100%. Like, right. So, no, I love this, brother. And as we're, we're winding down here, because we also want to eat dinner, 
But uh, <laughs> what's for dinner? What are we having for We're dinner? We're gonna do some curry tonight. Some oh, chicken. Yeah. yeah, I pulled a bunch of chicken out, and then uh, we got some veggies. We got curry sauce. So, do you cook it? Or does Taylor cook it? No, I cook it. Yeah. Oh, so. really? So we're <laughs> we're, we're a ways right away. Now. <laughs> we're fucked right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but as we're winding down, um, one of the things I, I want to ask you before we get to what you're up to, because you have so much uh, that you're up to, <laughs> and and so many things for people to tap into, but kind of this final piece is. Um, tapping into what you can give men right now that can help them understand that the work is never done because you have done so much work on who you are but you still fucking show up for it and you still do it to this day and so give guys some insight because I think a lot of men think that once they start and they do a couple things, it's fucking done. The one thing they address, it's fucking done, right? Mm. But can you share with them through your experience how continuing that journey is still playing an impact for you? Well, I would put it in this perspective. Why would you stop playing basketball just because the game's over on Sunday. Mm. Maybe that's a terrible way of saying it, but like, like I just, I've, you know what I'm saying? Like you love basketball. You're going to play it again the next day or two days later and then a week. And then maybe think of NBA players. You think that just cause they retire, they stop playing basketball. Yeah. You know what I mean? They love the, they love the game. Yeah. I have developed for myself an understanding that my life gets better when I do this work. Yeah. Everything gets better when I do this work. And I may be a better example than playing basketball is just going to the gym. You know, I'm, when I do the work, I'm working out my soul. Mm. I'm, I'm working out my emotional connection, my, my, um, that part of me that isn't necessarily the physical. Mm -hmm. uh, just like I go to the gym and I plan on going to the gym for the rest of my life consistently. I plan on working out for the rest of my life. What is the workout that you're doing for your soul? Mm. What is the workout that you're doing for your, your emotional body? What is the workout that you're doing for your spirit? There it is. And I feel like if you're thinking that you do one workout or you do like one 30 day course and that'd be like, yeah, you went to the gym for 30 days and now you're done for the rest of your life. What the fuck do you think is going to happen? So to me, I'm in the work because my life gets better when I work out and it's just a different type of working out. Mm. Yeah. That's, and that's where, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's part of the journey, right? Like that is what life is about is staying on the journey because the milestones are very brief fleeting moments but it's that journey where you're experiencing the practice before the game right i think to what you're alluding to with basketball mm. you still go out and practice every day because you still enjoy the game mm -hmm. and to enjoy playing the game you have to put in the repetitions in between to to step on that court and to play yeah and it's it's something where if it ever gets old or or too much or whatever it might be time to take a break i definitely mm. have hit those times in my life where 
I've been relentless, bro, relentless. One thing to the next, to the next, to the next, from plant medicine journeys to somatic sexual healing work to NLP training to EMDR to PTSD work for Peter Levine, like like all of these things, man, just one thing after the other. And there have been times where I said, you know what, it's time to just take a break Mm. and just like let myself be for a moment. But what I can say, and this is something that I do want to share with people, is the dude that I am right now who can share his heart so openly and who loves life as much as I do, that was not me for most of my life. Mm. I was emotionally shut down. I mean, I I said my father's from the Philippines. I had a very stoic, non-emotional paternal role model and um you know i never saw affection in in my house i was disciplined with in a very physical way Mm. and i was shut down emotionally i didn't cry for nine years i know that because i know when i stopped and i know when i cried for the first time and like where and i and i've battled depression and i've i've you know dealt with the the repercussions of sexual abuse and all of these aspects and to be sitting here today i can say truthfully i'm happier than i've ever been in my life i love life i really do love life and i feel more emotionally open and and heart open than most people I meet, like I feel like I'm, I'm that person. And I share that because it's possible for everyone. Mm. This is not how I was born. I wasn't raised by hippies on, on some wild wilderness forest farm. And I'm like running around barefoot and waterfalls. I'm not Mowgli from the Jungle Book. <laughs> I, there is actually a journey that can open your heart, cause you to fall in love with life, open up your creativity and your ability to like find that spark of inspiration and create impact along the way and have money, sex and power at the same time. And that's what I I bring to my clients when I work with them. That's what I bring to my community, my podcast, all the things that I do is helping people understand that it is possible for you if you're willing to do the work. Cuz make no mistake, I didn't get to this point I mean, I've been in, I've been deeply in this work for nine years, I'll say deeply in it. Before that, I was still doing a bunch of stuff, um, but like committed to this work for nine years now. And I only would say honestly that I got to this space probably within the last 18 months, 12, 12 to 18 months. So eight years of like OCD level, neurotic level work, but it is possible no matter where you're at. And I fully believe that. And that, that is something that I want to leave to this audience. So they know that. Mm. And on that note, brothers, thank you. Cause I think that is a powerful kind of pin for this episode on how you have been able to transition and giving hope to other men that it doesn't matter where you are right now, starting to do the work and continuing cause it never ends continuing to do that and believe in that and trust in yourself will get you to a place that you can truly see happiness in yourself and in the world. Mm -hmm. So I love that brother. Well, on that note, brother, what is it you have going on? Especially you got some stuff coming up soon. Um, where can people find you 
and how can they plug into you? And we'll put all this in the show notes. This as is you, coming out like know. this week, right? Yeah, bro. So what do you got going on that we want people to go check out? Um, how can they support you? How can they get involved in your ecosystem? You got so much going on. <laughs> I so. got so much. So adamroa.com is my website, A-D-A-M-R-O-A.com. And that's the name that you'll find me pretty much everywhere, Instagram and Facebook. Uh, you can find my podcast, The Deep Dive with Adam Roa. Next month, I'll be launching a podcast, You're Too Much with Adam and Taylor, yeah. uh, which is a podcast I'll be doing with Johnny's wife. And, um, yeah, you can tell by the title, you know what that's about. Too much. <laughs> um, and, and it's going to be epic. It's going to be really good. And, um, uh, also I have a, a online personal development community called create. And so that is the create Uh, and we meet every single week and I bring in some of the best facilitators on mm. the planet to teach in that. Uh, we also have a festival, a three day online festival that Taylor's going to be teaching in called the create create love fest where yeah. we're going to bring in uh three days in february february 10th 11th and 12th to focus on sex dating relationships and breakups so Ooh. i'm bringing in a bunch of facilitators to teach on that specific area uh we are in early bird pricing right now so okay. um for people who want to get their tickets do that this is our third online festival and they just get better and better and then i don't know why i don't actually i've never promoted this i haven't said this on my social media or anything but i just have a I'm called to say it. So maybe there's someone who needs to hear this. I, um, have a high level group coaching program that's starting mm. in February. Yes, he does. Yeah. Called one infinity. And it's really, oh. it's really high level. It's a high price point and it is for, um, high level entrepreneurs who are ready to step into plant medicine work and also really mastermind and up level with each other. And, I have not spoken about this publicly anywhere. Wow. Um, but for some reason, I'm feeling called to speak about it right now. So I would say send me a DM. Uh, that would be that would be the thing. Um, if for, I don't know why I'm saying it, but send me a DM yeah. about it. And the last thing that I want to say is I just launched a text message community. Yeah. I have all these things that I'm saying. So you can text me at plus one, three, two, three, five, zero, eight, Two, three, three, one. I share little bits of poetry, journal prompts, uh, philosophical insights, just little bits to drop in and help you shift your awareness as you go about your week. Yeah. And take him up on the text message, take him up on the DM. And definitely if you are ready to step into this mastermind, because I trust Adam and his instincts right now that somebody listening is interested in this. Seriously, if you are wanting to up level, jump into this because it's no joke. He has a business partner who is a massive business guru builder Gerard Adams yeah he's, he sold his company yeah yeah he sold I'm doing it with him and, yeah. and he sold his he exited his company for 50 million dollars at oh, the age of 30 Jesus. Um, which was his second eight-figure company that he'd built by the age of 30 the entrepreneurial investing aspect he's bringing into that the plant medicine energy <sighs> aspect I'm bringing into it it's a mastermind we got a couple retreats in it it's a it's a really deep dive if you're looking for the container to really up level and you're at that One level container it's a 10-month Container. So container. It, it is the we are. It's not like people can come in at any point. It's yeah. the same uh, eleven people max. We're gonna mm. max it at eleven people, and we only got a couple spots left. So for some reason, I'm called to say it right now. This is the first time I've spoken about it publicly. The rest has been filled by just people that, yeah. that are the right fit. So yeah, uh, yeah. If that's you, so hit me up on DMs. Yeah, whoever that is, and then hit me up on the DM. Just let me know who it was, because uh, that's gonna be epic, and I can't wait to see you grow yeah. if you're jumping into or multiple people. And then uh, his community create. Um, if, if you guys 
don't follow Adam yet on IG. Please follow him on IG. Check him out. But also, um, I mean, we just like touched on his spoken word stuff and he is a <laughs> fucking like a fucking wizard with it. It's some of the sickest stuff I've seen uh, and heard. But his community create, make sure you guys check that out because Adam is probably one of the most connected people because he has such a big heart and a lot of love that the people he brings in to help guests teach in that community are fucking epic. So do mm-hmm. not waste that opportunity if you guys are interested in being part of a community get part of adam's create so oh brother this has been epic i love you you know that this is so much fun we could talk for so much more but we'll cut it off right here the last question before we go start dinner is what does the art of masculinity mean to you Hmm. to me the art of masculinity is learning how to be the master of your emotions so you don't shit all over the place. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Learn how to learn how to learn how to be the master of your emotions, which truly means being in touch with them because you can't actually master them if you're not in touch with them. And so this idea that we master our emotions by being disconnected from them mm. has been how men I feel like have gone about our emotional mastery. Yep. But you're actually not then all you're actually doing is creating fear and uncertainty because it's an un, your emotions are an unknown landscape mm-hmm. so mastering your emotions so you can be a safe space for the feminine mm, is yes. actually to me the art of masculinity ah oh, beautifully said brother it's something that i think all of us men can aspire to do so Stop shitting everywhere, men, and uh, work on your fucking stuff. So, all right, brother. I love you so much. And to everybody out there listening, as always, remember to drop the ego and stay humble. Until next time, guys. Hey, guys. If you liked today's episode, then please head over to Apple iTunes and leave a five-star review of some of your most impactful moments that you heard on the show today. It'll only take about 60 to 90 seconds to do, but those seconds are priceless in helping promote the message here at The Art of Masculinity, and I will be forever grateful. I appreciate all of you guys joining in The Art of Masculinity community, and as always, drop the ego and stay humble.